Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. You want to hear something so totally crazy that I can hardly believe it myself? I wrote a book. Like a book that you can hold and read and underline and tear pages out of and share with your friends. And it's coming out on May 14th, which is super soon. And it's kind of crazy. This book is called Own Your Everyday, Overcome the Pressure to Prove and Show Up for What You Were Made to Do. And that's exactly what this helps you do. If you have felt like you have unfigured out dreams or you don't know what you're doing with your life or you're trying to find your purpose in life and just feeling a little stuck, this is for you. In fact, Inc. Magazine named it a top nine book to read to be a better person in 2019. Like what? I almost peed my pants when I heard that. (laughs) It's also been called The Girlfriend's Guide to a Purpose-Driven Life by Professionals in the Publishing World. But personally, I just wrote it to serve as a tool and a resource for the woman who's chasing after something more, even if she's not quite sure what that something more is, and who's also trying to find purpose and contentment right where she is with what she has, which may sound simple, but that is quite the feat. It releases on May 14th, but it's available for pre-order right now. Just go to jordanleezuli.com slash book. That's jordanleezuli.com slash book. And don't worry, we'll put that link right here in the show notes so you don't have to remember it and go type it in somewhere. (laughs) Just click that link in the show notes, grab a copy. And I cannot wait to see this in your hands on May 14th, my friend. It is going to be a game changer. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Amanda Carpenter, you're here on the show. How you doing, girl? Hi, I'm so excited. Uh, It's so great to have you. And I cannot believe that you are being so awesome and doing this on your birthday and didn't even (laughs) tell me that it was your birthday. Oh my goodness, you're the best. Happy birthday, girl. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Uh, Me too. You guys, I am so excited for you to meet my friend Manda. We have been, I feel like, friends for a couple years now, and we just kind of marched to the beat of the same drum in so many ways. Um, Definitely have our differences, but I feel like our heartbeats are so aligned, especially in the world of all things marriage. And we are only about a year apart in our anniversaries. And so, Amanda, can you just tell everybody a little bit about you and your life and your marriage with Eric and all the good things? Yeah, for sure. So, yes, as you said, my name is Amanda and I go by Manda. I'm 27 years old. I live in Chicago with my husband, Eric. We've been married just over three years. We chose to move to Chicago from South Indiana, which is where Jordan's also like originally from. Yep. And People always ask us, one of the top questions I get is, 
why why'd you move to Chicago? And the the true answer is just we wanted to. We felt like it. We prayed and asked God, you know, for clarity and direction and didn't really feel like we got a no. We didn't necessarily feel clarity on any other place. So we just took the leap of faith and ended up in Chicago about over two years ago now. It's crazy. Um, so more of my married life has been in Chicago than it has been back home, which is also just a weird thing. Mm. And we are foster parents here in the city and we both work full time as well. I work at our church. Um, and yeah, our life here is fun and adventurous and like everyone else at times, very mundane. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's me. I, I love that you just said, you know what? We want to move to a city. I remember when you were telling me that you were thinking about moving to Chicago and there wasn't really like a, well, we have to go for a job or we have to go with, you know, for a certain obligation. It was just like, we want to. And I think more people need to live with that. Just get up and go. Let's go experience life. Yeah. I When my husband and I moved out to Arizona, there was, you know, it wasn't like a, we have to go. It was, we can. And so let's do it. And he went for training, but still it was very spontaneous. It was kind of a a big leap of faith. There wasn't like a hard no or hard yes and total clarity with it. We just kind of tried it, you know? And honestly, yes. I'm grateful for it, even though it was kind of chaotic. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. No, I love it. I think that's awesome. Well, I know that today we've had several conversations just in our friendship about how there's a lot of resources on marriage and a lot of, you know, mm. um, wisdom out there. But we've both kind of shared how being, you know, I'm, I just celebrated my second anniversary not too long ago. You just celebrated your third anniversary not too long ago. So we're in a very similar season of life um, mm-hmm. in some ways. And with being in that kind of I'm a new wife season, I feel like we both come into these places where we're like, uh, is this normal? <laughs> does, yes, this, does this yes, happen to totally. other people? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so excited to get your insight on this because – Something Amanda did not mention that she certainly should have is that she's also a phenomenal writer and she's got a blog and she's working on so many cool projects. Anyways, as we talked about writing and things that we're passionate about writing on and speaking into and all of that, you had brought up this subject that has been kind of on my heart too of I want to share the real stories of those first few years of marriage. You know, I don't have a whole lot of advice to give yet because I'm just (laughs) figuring it out. But I also, you know, think that it's important for other young wives to kind of learn alongside of us. And that's the whole point of this show, of this podcast. It's, yes, I want to offer some practical advice. Yes, I want to, you know, show what's working for me or things that I've learned. But really more, let's do this together because there's so much wisdom in learning from people that have gone before us that are 10, 20, 30 years married. But there's I think also a beauty in learning alongside those who are also in year two and a half and feeling like, oh no, what am I doing? You know, so I just I just love how raw you are about what really happens and how yes. much there's joy and struggle that can coexist in those first few years of, of learning how to, you know, yes, we become one, we become a unit, but the unifying of heart and mind is a little bit longer of a process, wouldn't you say? Yes, absolutely. And yeah, so to your point, so I'm a writer. I've been working on a book that has a lot to do with marriage and the early years of marriage, which is kind of a weird thing to talk about with people because, I mean, if I were on the other side of that conversation, I would be like, wait, how long have you been married? Right. But that's kind of the whole point is I'm writing in real time what the first few years of marriage has been like. And to Mm -hmm. take it a step further from the perspective of a couple who is following Jesus, which Mm -hmm. 
you're told, you know, it's kind of going to be a certain way, or maybe you have these expectations and these ideal thoughts of what it's going to be. And it totally, for me at least, has not been. And that sounds also kind of funky because people are like, wait, it's all a big letdown. And I'm like, no, 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 it's just different. It's, <laughs> it's just horrible. What? <laughs> right. At times, yes, it is actually. And yeah. so it's just like, my heart is huge for all of this because, I mean, I never even wanted to be married. And so there's just so much mm. that we can unpack in the whole scheme of it. But I yeah. am super passionate about people. I, I even use this little phrase all the time. Impressing is exhausting. Yes. Impressing is like, I'm over it. I don't want to impress online. I don't want to impress in my real life. I want to show up both in person, in my real life and online as best I can fully me, fully present, and just fully real with the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it. Because I think that if we all were willing to take off our masks and be a little more real, somebody else would know that they're, what they're going through, what they're struggling with is normalized. Other people, we, we would actually kind of level the playing field and we wouldn't feel this need to try and measure up to other people because we'd realize that nobody actually has it all together. Right. So I'm just like, that is something that like I'm super passionate about. And that's kind of where the the idea for this um, book that I'm working on came I from. I love it so much. And impressing, though, is exhausting. And what's so funny is when I think there's this element of I think that we sell ourselves on this idea of nobility. Like, I want to be excellent. I want to work hard. But I think what can start to happen is that can trickle into I want to be as good as not maybe someone else, but my perception of how good they are. And what that actually begins to do is it has the opposite effect that we're actually kind of striving for, for a lack of a better word, because we end up almost living under this pressure rather than kind of approaching our relationship and our daily life from a place of purpose and intentionality. And those things can so quickly and kind of quietly and sneakily get exchanged because we're selling ourselves and our pride is kind of tricking us into the idea of, oh, I'm just trying to be the best wife I can be. But I think mm-hmm. when that starts to yeah. slip into compared to so-and-so, it actually has a negative effect, if that makes sense. Would you agree? Totally. Yes, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Even going back to when we were first married, so like I said, Eric and I are, uh, just celebrated three years in June. So we're entering this fourth year of marriage. And for me personally, every year of our marriage has gotten better. Mm-hmm. And that excites me to say that. And I can say that with full honesty, because as you're going to hear probably later on in our conversation too, I'll share some of the not so great parts. But I mean it when I say that for us, every year has gotten better. And I don't buy this lie or this idea that it's always going to be this uphill thing. I think even within the years, there's going to be ebbs and flows and seasons, highs and right. <laughs> some of those valley moments. But for us, it's getting better every year. And the reason I mentioned that little fact is because the first year of marriage in particular, I feel like, especially like right when we got back from our honeymoon, everyone was like, how are the newlyweds? Mm -hmm. And we were like, great. But, you know, like we're like, we're looking at each other out of the corner of our eyes Uh and we're like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Why does everyone think that we should be so in love and so happy when this is actually a really huge adjustment and it's not so easy for a number of reasons. Now, anytime I see newlyweds, I'm like, how are you guys doing? Good. I know it's a huge adjustment. Like I try to just be so real about it because I'm like, listen, if your first year is tough, welcome to the club because I think there's this weird lie that society wants to feed us that your first year of marriage is your best. And then it's downhill from there. When I actually mm-hmm. think it's, it can be the opposite. If you, if you're willing to work at it, it can get better and better and better. 
Totally. It's almost like picking up a new skill. I kind of relate it to, if, for example, if I'm going to learn to play the piano or something, I think what it actually is like, kind of like you said, at first, I think society kind of paints it the same way, like, oh, it's really exciting and then it gets worse. And I think what can actually happen is right around the wedding, right, you know, around honeymoon, it's like, ah, I'm just running into this idea of it's exciting, it's new, it's a new season, and there's a lot of, you know, you get cards in the mail, and you get to register and do all these things. So there's a lot of hype and excitement, and then all of a sudden, everyone goes back to life, and the world keeps spinning, and then suddenly here you are, and you're like, wait, now this is getting kind of hard. Like, it can happen really fast, just like when I'm trying to pick up a new skill, at first, I'm really excited about it, and then maybe three, four, five days into the reality of having to show up and Mm -hmm. find that skill every day, it gets harder and harder for a while until I nail that, you know, chord or whatever it is that I'm trying. And it's like, okay, I get this one now to the next, you know, the next set. And so marriage is full of learning all of these new skills. And it is not always just the easiest thing to walk through. And especially in that first year of transition. So I love that you that you pointed that out. One thing I want to ask you, because I want to go back to, you mentioned, I didn't even want to get married. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I think that that can be where a lot of people find themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For me, so funny, just even thinking back, like I would take it, I have to take like a deep breath because I'm like, Ooh, we're getting into stuff that I've been working with my counselor on for years. (laughs) Oh man, we're going there 13 minutes in or 10 minutes in. (laughs) We're going there. We're going there. My family history, I grew up in a divorced home and both my mom and my dad remarried different people numerous times. So Mm -hmm. I have walked through several stepdads, several stepmoms. My dad is currently single. My mom is in a marriage, very happy. I love my stepdad. So it's all good. But Mm -hmm. growing up in that, I didn't have any healthy picture of marriage. And even like my friends' parents, like I feel like even by high school, like a lot of them were getting divorced. And so Mm -hmm. even if I saw a decent picture of marriage, but at some point in my time of witnessing their relationship, something had shattered. And in my particular experience with my mom, my stepdads and men that were in my life just hurt me. They hurt my mom. They hurt me. And so I developed a really hardened heart towards men in general, which is a really weird thing because I could also say in the same breath that I was like the girl with daddy issues who relied on boys to fill her up, huh. which which we can get to later as well and how that's played sure. out in my marriage. But like, I think the reason I didn't want to get married is one, I have this weird rebellious streak in me where if everybody else is doing it, I don't want to do it. So I was like, <laughs> I, I love it. Feel like I else. totally relate in so many ways. Yep. Yes. And then other than that, I was just like, I don't know if I can be faithful to someone for a lifetime. I don't know if someone's going to be faithful to me. This just seems like it ends badly for everyone I know. Why would I put myself through that? I'm just going to be the girl who's focused on like my career and travel. And I'm just going to pour into myself and do my thing. And then God brought my husband. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? I love how it says some like plan your life and God laughs or something like that. Yeah. I think it's so true. I think it's so true. So what kind of softened your heart? So you met Eric and what do you think? I mean, I know so much of your story and I mean, I relate to this too in my personal life is faith will often soften your heart. But what was it about Eric and did he pursue you in such a way that made you think, huh, maybe there's something different or did you have an aha moment or was it something that slowly happened over time? Yeah, I think it slowly happened over time, for sure, uh, through my faith, through books, through 
God doing what God does, my mm-hmm. heart softened. But specifically something that I noticed was with Eric, the more I tried to push him away, the more he pursued. And he was almost relentless and wouldn't really take no for an answer. And he showed me, I'll give a very specific example. This is one of many, but he was the first guy that when we started dating, he was like, I want to respect your body. I want to like honor you. And so we need to have some boundaries so we don't go too far physically. And I was like, what? Cause I've been a girl. I had sex with all my boyfriends. And so I was really confused and still newer to having a relationship with God where I was being awakened to this idea that, oh, the Bible says this, and maybe this is how God intended for sex to actually be. So being new to all that, God really used Eric as a tool in my life. And then I'll take it a step further and say that because Eric was the one who held us to a standard of purity and accountability, I learned to trust him like I'd never trusted anyone else before. I learned and I thought about it. This is kind of how I pictured it or viewed it. If this guy who is insanely attracted to me and loves me and is trying to do anything for me is willing to restrain himself from whatever with me physically, Mm -hmm. then I can probably rely and trust that this man, if I marry him, when we have a lull in our sex life two years down the road, a month in, 10 years down the road, whatever, He's proving to me that he's trustworthy. He's proving to me that he has the self-discipline and the integrity to stay true to what he believes God is calling him to as a standard. Mm -hmm. And that was like so insanely eye-opening. It was a relief. There, There was just something about that. And he was raised by parents who are still together, have a thriving marriage. And so I also saw and began to learn the longer I dated him of what a real healthy relationship looks like. And so as we began to have a healthy relationship in our dating, then I think it just naturally progressed to thinking, man, I I do want to do this forever. And I, Mm. I think this could actually be something that makes me better. And maybe I could do more in this world. I could have a bigger impact. Maybe I can do more to further God's kingdom Mm -hmm. with him than on my own. Yeah. And that's when I knew, like, I think I want to marry him. Yeah. You know, I think while there's there's beauty in both seasons, right, whether it's singleness or marriage, but what's coming through in a lot of that you're sharing is that you hadn't really seen a marriage where in most of your life consistently where two people were on the same team and were working yeah. toward a common goal. And mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like not only did Eric show that was possible, but then you also were exposed to that in his family that maybe you hadn't experienced in your background. I mean, I kind of come from the back, from the opposite side of things. So mm-hmm. I had always kind of seen, you know, my parents stay together. I had this idea that like marriage was this awesome thing and who wouldn't want it. And so when I went to college and there were so many girls that were hurt by broken marriages or broken families and had this kind of hard heart towards the idea of marriage, I'm like, what? I don't get that. You know, so I think what is so cool and beautiful about having relationship and dialogue like this is it actually helps you begin to see a different perspective. And obviously, when I kind of got out of my bubble and went away to college and grew up, I was able to see, oh, there are a lot of different family dynamics going on than just what I knew, you know? And that helped me not only understand, but also have empathy for those who might come from a place like you are. And Mm -hmm. yet here we both are now within a very similar season and able to say, wait a second, is this happening for you? Is that happening for you? How did you get to the place you are? And so I just think it's neat how totally different stories can lead to similar places and pursuing similar goals with, you know, like-mindedness. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Kind of going into a little bit more, let's move from pre-marriage to now, okay, we're both married. 
And one thing I want to know, and even I would love to hear an example because it just makes me feel better about being normal. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Have you ever felt like a bad wife? Really, it it just in any situation in the last three years, maybe multiple times, have you ever just been like, oh, my gosh, I'm the worst wife in the world. I bet my friends don't do this (laughs) or whatever. Have you ever thought that? Yes, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So many things. And I even want to address if anyone is listening to this and they're they feel like a bad wife and they're like, no, but like you don't even know. Mm-hmm. No, I know. Oh I yeah. Know. Mm-hmm. Um, we have walked through a lot and my husband's not perfect, but man, I seem to be the source of a lot of pain in our marriage. I had a lot of health that I needed to get to and to grow into and healing. And so, yes, I have felt like a bad wife many times. I felt like I do not deserve this, but what's been so cool is just how gracious he's been and how we're hand in hand walking towards the same goal together. We're going to get there. It's going to be hard, but um, yeah, I've screwed up a lot. I've screamed at the top of my lungs. I probably shouldn't even say half the things I've done, but I will. I've, I love I, it. I have marriage has, and, and someone told me this before, so I'm, I don't want to like say this as my quote. I don't know where I heard it or who said it, but someone told me like right before I got married, they said anything that's annoying or not good about your relationship now is going to be magnified when you're married. And I just think that's been so true. So any little thing in our marriage that, or in our relate dating relationship or premarital relationship that like bothered me or like just wasn't our strong suit, those have been the things that have been magnified in our marriage that we have needed to work on and focus a lot of intention around. Yeah. And so for me, that's like losing my cool or my temper and taking things out on him. There was a season, I think this is an area where I can say truly, like I feel very free from this, but I was so insecure in the beginning that I feel like comparison and insecurity and things like that made me almost a crazy wife. Like I'll just call myself crazy. I was crazy. (laughs) But yes, like there have been so many things where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never, and I'm bringing comparison back up because Instagram, I would see this wife making these fancy meals for her husband. And I'm like, I burnt dinner and now we're ordering pizza and we argued over what pizza to buy. And now the pizza's laid. I don't even want to eat. Like that's real life. Yeah. And so for me, like, Yes. Oh my goodness. I, I don't even know where to begin. There's so many examples of when I felt like a bad wife. So I just want to, yes, I want to normalize that for people who are newlyweds. I think we've been married a year, I'm guessing 10 years. I, I'm sure there's times where we all feel like, gosh, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Even with marriage counseling or pre-marriage counseling, you don't really get to practice like to how to wife. Like we need a right? book on how to wife like year one. I mean, same story in so many ways. I mean, there has been like, this is so not something I even want to say out loud, but I think it's necessary. There has been maybe a couple of different times throughout our marriage where like similar to you, I'm a very passionate person. I'm a very my way is the right way kind of person at times. I can be very stubborn. And that's something we've been working through a lot. My husband is like my calm in the storm, which actually is hilarious because sometimes that makes me more angry. I'm like, why are you not getting angry right now? You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I totally get that. Oh, it's like they say marriage is like looking into a mirror and seeing how selfish (laughs) you are. And even that moment that that happened, that was where I was like, okay, maybe I really do need to work through. Maybe I can't even strive to be a good wife. I just want to strive to be 
more disciplined first, you know? And I think yeah. that's what we can jump to. It's like, oh, I have to be a good wife. And what does that even mean? I mean, really, what does that even really mean? I mean, we could talk circles around that because I think we all have these different definitions and these ideas based off of these perceived ideals that we gain from, I don't know, what, society or the internet or maybe, like, people that have been married for 25 years and worked out those kinks a lot more than we have. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. And I think that's what can make us feel so isolated. And that personally creates a lot of bitterness in me. I don't know if you've experienced that, but when you feel like you're failing as a wife or just really not doing what you know to be as good or as great as you would like, and you're just disappointed even in yourself, have you ever felt like that um, that isolation yeah. that comes with that? And that can almost create this internal bitterness of like, you're almost annoyed at other people's happiness or perceived happiness. Yes, totally. And I think for me, I I just think the best marriages are made up of two really healthy and whole individuals. I think there is no like, you're my other half. You complete Mm -hmm. me. Oh, no, you don't need a man to complete you. Sorry, that's probably a little bit of my uh, jaded self coming through there. But (laughs) no, I really I really also mean it like Mm -hmm. I'm the best wife when I'm just the best Amanda, when Mm -hmm. I'm um, taking care of myself. So, so I think practicing self-care is huge. I, I mean, I see so many marriages. I have two two people that come to mind um, that are unfortunately walking through divorces and they've been married less than three years. We got married around the same time uh, just shortly after. And I bring them up to say like, people aren't young people that have been married about the same length that I have. Like when I hear that they're getting divorced, I'm actually not that shocked. And here's why it is hard. And what, what does make me sad though is when I hear they're getting divorced over such silly things and things that I feel are that you can work through. And I'm like, I'm just so bummed when I hear that, but I think they probably don't realize how normal what they're going through is. And so they think like, well, clearly like we're not like everybody else, but in reality, if everybody else showed a little more or was a little more honest with what actually is going on, then maybe they would just realize, Oh, this is a growing pain. We're going to get through it. Or like, if people didn't have such a negative stigma around counseling, like maybe they would consider to go, you know, like my husband, I do marriage counseling and I do individual counseling and I cannot recommend that enough for people. We did not start going because there was problems. We started going because we wanted to be proactive and it has been insanely helpful and empowering. We walk out of almost every session being like, oh my gosh, like we can take on anything. And that's just Mm. such a good feeling. We'll walk in sometimes and have like specific things we want to work through. And other times we'll go in and we're like, we're doing great. And it's not like problems are caused by being in counseling, but she'll dig, our counselor's a, a woman and she'll ask questions and dig deeper and get to the root of maybe what neither of us want to get to because it's hard. And so I'm going off on a tangent a little bit about counseling, but I just recommend it so much because I think there's just so many different things as a wife, as a spouse, a partner that we think we're the only ones, but we're not. (laughs) And there's basically been nothing that I brought up in counseling that she's like, Oh, I've never heard that before. I mean, like (laughs) nothing. So and the, and the ugliest parts of myself, like it doesn't help me to be like, Oh, I guess it's okay. It helps me to grow and, and just like, I don't want to say beautify them, but mm-hmm. to work on them. Yeah. I mean, I never want to stop growing. Stagnancy is the first sign of death. I don't want to, I don't want to die in my marriage. I don't want to die in, as right. an individual woman. I want to, 
I want to be growing. I want to grow into health. And so, yeah, I'm rambling. No, 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 I love it. That's something that Matt and I have been working on. I mean, just in our life, like getting really more into those disciplines of, okay, now we're moving into year three. How can we make year three the best year of our marriage so far? And one of those major things that we talked about is counseling, not because we're totally crumbling, but because we're like, okay, we can identify that there are these core areas that we could definitely improve in our individual selves and then also in our relationship. And maybe if we instead stop being so prideful and actually, you know, like you said, there's nothing new, you know, everyone has faced these things in some degree or another, and it varies per story. But the reality is, is it's actually healthier. I love the proactive versus reactive mentality. And if you think about the times that you and I probably totally lost our cool, it's A, when I'm not practicing self-care or self-improvement. So there's that piece. And then the willingness to say, you know, not only is it the discipline of practicing self-care, but then saying, I think part of self-care is being proactive about identifying the fact that you don't have a perfect marriage and no, you never will, but you Mm -hmm. can be purposeful in your marriage and intentional in, okay, what am I trying to prove here? I mean, honestly, I will say, I don't know if maybe you felt this way early on. I think, like you said, there's this no shame when it comes to counseling. In fact, it's really important. I think our pride will attach a stigma to something because we never want to think, oh, I have problems to work through. And we Mm -hmm. all have problems. We all have problems. And until we come to this peace with the fact that I've got some problems, (laughs) I got issues, I got major issues, I have trust issues, I have this issue, I have that issue. Once we can finally be like, all right, that exists and that's real, what am I going to do about it? I think it's not so much that we are unwilling to do something about it. I think it's sometimes that we're unwilling to face it. Yeah, I would agree. Spring is finally here. And the best part is that the weather starts to clear and we can finally get outside. The worst part, though, is cleaning it all up, whether it's a trail of muddy paw prints from the dog or a pile of dishes after the first meal outside. Nothing cleans my house like the spring scents from Grove. Grove makes healthier home products accessible and affordable. Over half a million families shop Grove.co for non-toxic dish soap, plant-based skincare, and tree-free bath tissue. Grove makes it easy to find the best, natural, eco-friendly products online and delivers them straight to your door so you can make better choices for your family with just one click. Everything available at Grove is healthier for you and for the planet. And it really works. Grove delivers natural brands you love like Mrs. Meyer's 7th Generation, Burt's Bees, and Grove straight to your doorstep. I recently got a bunch of Mrs. Meyer's dish soap and I love the spring scents that they have available. So I have an exclusive Mrs. Meyer's offer from Grove before it runs out just for you. First, you select your favorite spring scents like peony, lilac, or mint, and then new customers will get a free cleaning set in these limited edition scents when you place your first order of $20 or more. You can get free Mrs. Meyer's spring hand soap or dish soap or spring multi-surface spray, which I have and love. Uh, You can also get the Grove Collaborative Cleaning Caddy and Grove Collaborative Walnut Scrubber Sponges. Try Grove now before this exclusive spring offer runs out. For a limited amount of time, my listeners get a three-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Meyer's Spring Scents, a free 60-day VIP membership, and a surprise bonus gift just for you when you sign up and place an order of $20 or more. Check out Grove and our special offer at grove.co slash she. That's grove.co slash she. So 
what changed for you? When did you say, you know what, I think going and being proactive about counseling would be a really wise step? Because I think that can be a hard step for some to take. That's kind of where, you know, we're moving into that season where we're seeing that's necessary and taking the steps to make it happen. But it's, you know, after our second anniversary. So why would you suggest that? I mean, I wish we would have started doing it earlier, to be honest, mm-hmm. two weeks in, to be honest. But yeah, what when was that step for you? And what changed that for you? Why did you feel like, let's do this? So actually, we were like you guys. We had just celebrated our second anniversary, and our the church we go to and I now work at in mm-hmm. Chicago is a very pro counseling church. So we have a recommended counselors list. We like openly talk about mental health and emotional well being and in your marriage and as an individual. And so there was just like a normalization that every mm-hmm. not I shouldn't generalize and say everyone, but a lot of people in the church go to counseling. Everyone on staff goes to counseling. So it was just normalized in that sense. And then I remember we were in our first apartment. It was this tiny little studio and uh, we were both working from home in a studio apartment, 500, well, almost 600 square feet, which is like literally the size of most people's closet. <laughs> and we were at each other's throats. We were like at our wits end with each other because we had no space from each other ever. Mm. And things just were not great. Like you said, we weren't crumbling, but we weren't super joyful. Mm-hmm. Like I was more like, I need to get away from you. And so we just decided, I think through hearing about it at the church, I know we ended up um, reaching out to one of the counselors on their list. And that's who we're still with today. It's so fun to be walking with a counselor for as long as we have, because they really get to know you. They're so invested in you. I mean, we're at the point now with, um, When we ended up, we had our foster kids for almost nine months. And when they left us, we were both just grieving and going through a lot. And our counselor, she was even willing like to be kind of um, on hand via text for us. Mm -hmm. And that was just incredible. So it was just like having extra support and uh, another resource in times of need. But also like our counselor right after one or two sessions. And it's awkward. I'm not going to like try to say it's not awkward at first. It totally was in the beginning. We kind of came in and we're like, you know, you're still doing what you do in front of your friends and family where you're like, but everything's good. And then, you know, they start, you just slowly learn to like, it's confidential. You can trust me, like Mm -hmm. let, let it out. You know, then you slowly go there. But even, even in our first few sessions, I remember looking at Eric, I would like kind of tap his toe if he was going in a direction with what he was saying that I didn't want him to do. And it's like so silly because this is our counselor for goodness sake. Like this is what we're supposed to let it all out here, but it took time to get there. So I also just want to say if anyone decides to do counseling by themselves or with someone else, it's going to feel awkward at first. You're probably not going to want to open up all the way, but as you learn to, you will reap the benefits of like full disclosure, let it all out. It's, oh my gosh, it's the best. And then for us, like we have such an amazing counselor who always gives us next steps. Yeah. So we never just go in and like complain about each other and then leave. We go in, we have a really great conversation that's monitored or mediated so that it doesn't get overly heated and we can actually get to the root of what's going on. And then she always challenges us with these next steps or like a thing that we need to do. I mean, one of the silliest things has been, uh, I remember in our, one of our first sessions, we were fighting a lot and we, it wasn't even so much like, let's get to the root of why we're fighting. It was, okay, how do we deescalate these fights so that they don't get to the point where we're screaming at each other? Mm -hmm. And for us, she taught us this little thing where we had to come up with a code word. And that meant like, if we were starting to get escalated, either one of us or triggered and, and feeling like that rage was coming on to separate ourselves, to go to different rooms. And we ended up choosing the funniest word. It's called yell sneeze. 
because Eric <laughs> thinks that my sneezes are like yelling. He thinks I have really loud yell sneezes. So she said, choose a word that's a neutral, like really silly, dumb word. And we both looked at each other like, yell sneeze. So now if we're arguing and it's not productive and it's only escalating, we yell yell sneeze or like one of us. And you have to respect the person, the other person who says it. And we go to our designated places for 10 minutes. Hmm. And that gives us time to cool off, to come back together. Now, everybody's going to get different things out of counseling and everyone's marriage looks different. You could be listening to this and be like, I never scream at my husband. That's crazy. They're insane. Yes, I am. <laughs> yep, but I'm insane. It's fine. <laughs> but the thing is, I just want to give a real life example of what has been so helpful for us. We still use yell sneeze. Yeah. Like it's still a thing. If we're in the car and we use it, we just both try to look to the side, not look at each other because we can't actually separate ourselves physically. But it's just like that cooling period where it's like nothing we say right now is going to help it's just going to make it worse yeah does that ever get I have to ask this question because if this was my yeah. situation I think I love practical tools like that that's half the purpose of this entire show but I do want to ask you this because this is something that I would struggle with I love that practical idea and my husband and I have just been implementing this practical stuff recently too but I love it, but I can just see myself sometimes when I really have a point to say, and I know it's going to, like, trump the conversation, <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, yell, sneeze, I would be so annoyed. <laughs> it Oh, oh, totally. It is. It is annoying, but as I've watched what happens to me and to him when we have our 10 minutes apart and then we come back together, the fact that it works— after doing it a few times and seeing how it works and we come back so much more like soft and gentle towards each other. And like, I still think I'm right, but this isn't worth ruining our whole evening over. Suddenly there's just the switch. And so, I mean, for us, it was like, well, it can only go up from here. We're already yelling at each other. So let's try this. And if we absolutely yeah. hate it or it doesn't work for us, then we don't do it. Like I'm a big fan of throwing out advice that doesn't work for you. Like somebody also told us when we first got married, don't go to bed angry at each other. Well, I'm not trying to go against the Bible when I say this, but for us, if it's after 8 PM and we're not getting along over something, it's best for us to just go to bed. We go to bed together and I'll like kiss him goodnight. And I'm like, I don't like you right now. And we'll like lay down and go to bed. And usually by the next morning, I'm totally fine. And we've just learned that for us, I'm just not a night owl. I'm pretty much done for after like eight or 9 PM. And so if we are, it's, it's just going to be non-productive arguing. And so like, we've just thrown out advice that doesn't work for us and yeah. just doing what works for us. Um, and that's just one example, but I could go on about all the advice that I was given at every bridal shower. No, a lot of totally agree. Well, and I, said, I know I totally, totally agree. And another thing that, I mean, practical. Okay, so let's get to this practical thing because I love yes. I love that idea. Have you ever read the book, What Your Husband Isn't Telling You? Have you ever read that book? No, but I like that title. Oh, girl, read that book. It'll change your life. So one thing that I did before we got married is I read this book, and I've had to reference it again a lot throughout our first few years of marriage because basically it's written from a guy's perspective, and it helps a woman understand a guy's mind. Has Eric ever come home, and or has he ever been sitting there, and you ask, what are you thinking about? And he says nothing, and you're like, no, <laughs> no, no, come on. Like, you really have to be thinking about something, right? And yes. he's like, no, seriously, nothing. Well, this book actually goes into the difference between the male and female mind makeup and just like the biological, I mean— typically like how guys can compartmentalize and they can really focus on one thing and how even when we're focusing on one task, there's like 70 billion other things going on in our brains. And yep. so 
this book is like, it breaks down and helps you an entire chapter. Basically, the whole thesis of this chapter is a man can actually think about nothing at times. And you need to give him some time in his nothing box. In his nothing box. I'm like, I don't even comprehend what a nothing box is. My brain just never (laughs) stops. And I'm like, what? And so what's crazy is my husband, he's like the ultimate outdoorsman. I don't know what Eric does for fun, but Matt loves to, like, go hunt, go fit. It's kind of like how his off switch. Like, he can just zone out and, like, shoot this fake deer in our backyard, which kind of creeps me out still. But we're getting—we're working past that. It's fine. But he has this thing. That's what he likes to do. It it just, like, decompresses him. To me, I feel like that, to me, would feel unproductive. And my brain doesn't work that way. And so— I have to remember when I get annoyed and I'm like, will you please come in here and do something productive and da 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 You know, I get off on these tangents. I have to kind of, whoa, hold on. He needs 10 minutes and it's nothing box. Okay, just like let him have that. There's, It's not hurting anything. Anyways, so that book really helped me understand. That was just one of many chapters. And so for any, I mean, why, any wife in general, but I think any soon-to-be or new wife, I think as you're married more, you begin to learn your husband's habits and tendencies and why he does the things that he does and whatnot. But that resource has been so helpful in me, even though I'll get frustrated from time to time, better understanding not only why he's doing something, but why I need to let that be, you know, or why I need to not try to pick it apart and change it. That gives me so much more peace. And so that's just another practical tool that's helped me. And I reference it a lot. Oh, I totally agree. And I think another thing for us is, you know, a lot of people have read the book, The Five Love Languages. It's mm-hmm. like one of the famous, really short reads that a lot of couples will read in premarital. And so we did that and we took the test and we know our love languages, right? Mm-hmm. So early in our marriage and even, even <laughs> this is actually a recent conversation we had, I tend to show Eric love the same way I feel loved. So my Same. love language is acts of service. So I do things for him and think that's going to make him feel loved. Like I clean the apartment and he comes home and I wait for him to be like, babe, thank you. I feel so loved that you clean. That's how I would react. Mm-hmm. But instead he doesn't acknowledge it. And then I get pissed mm-hmm. that he didn't acknowledge that I clean the little apartment. Yep. And I'm like, but I'm trying to love you. And he's like, but that's not my love language. I don't care if our apartment's clean. (laughs) Same thing. thing. No, and I I will do the same thing. And then what that leads to, I almost like make myself out to be a martyr. Have you ever done that? Where you're like, well, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this and you haven't even noticed. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, because I don't care. And you're like, how dare you not care? You know? (laughs) That, That or I'm like, keeping score, which is Uh just stupid because honestly, I've known in our three years of being married, there are seasons where he has to take the lead on daily chores and like some of that stuff because I'm in a crazy season at work Mm -hmm. and, or vice versa. He's traveling a lot for work and I'm going to need to take this. And I mean, add in a whole other factor when we had our girls, the, the two little girls that we fostered for about nine months, like we had to learn that being a team isn't always a 50 50 split that it's actually an ebb and a flow and you can't keep records of wrong or try to keep score and going back to what i was saying about love languages like you've got to speak with what little time you have together in in certain seasons of your marriage doing things like you said that little incremental change of like okay we're going to just try to like start our days together like one of us is going to sacrifice like for you jordan if you're going to wake up early to be Mm -hmm. able to spend a little time with matt and start the day off before he goes to work that's almost the exact opposite of what we had to do eric was like okay amanda needs more sleep than i do i'm gonna have to if i want to go to bed with her and we want to be in bed together i'm gonna need to go to bed earlier and like so he slowly made that change and it was really hard for him but like marriage isn't about us. Yeah. It's this selfless thing. And it's so not natural at times. So that's why it's so hard because we all are selfish and prone mm-hmm. to that. But 
I think that's been one of the other big things for us is not trying to love our partner the way we feel loved. Yeah. So, yeah. And not having that expectation that they're going to react like just in the way that we would to something that we've done for them. That's, that's been hugely helpful for me to really know, okay, how does Eric feel loved? What, what makes him tick? You know, and like you said, you learn that with time, but unfortunately so many people give up so early because the dating relationship is fun and exciting and wild. Mm -hmm. And then you get married and it can be like mundane and dull and you have to put in all this effort. And I think we, I think that unfortunately we're giving up too easily because I feel like now and not, it's not like, Oh, we're on the other side, but for some of our growing things, we are on the other side of them. And so I can look back and say to my old self, like, you're going to get through this. Like you're going to get through this hard thing. Mm -hmm. And, and to be honest, one of those really hard things was that I brought something into our marriage thinking I, I bought this lie that the, the thing that I struggled with was going to somehow go away because I'm going to be a wife. Mm -hmm. So that thing, unfortunately was this, desire or this need for affirmation from other men, other boys. Mm. And I thought, well, that's just going to go away when I become a wife. And when it didn't, and that stuff crept into my heart and messed with me in our marriage, it freaked me out. And I didn't know what to do with that. And it caused some turmoil and stuff we had to work through. But being on the other side of that, even, Mm. and there's so much more I could go into on that, but just, just to say this, it's worth it working through it and putting all the effort in you will come out on the other side and there will be something else waiting for you on the other side. And so you're constantly overcoming these battles together, but that's what makes you stronger. Yes. And I just want people to, and I'm preaching to myself when I say this, but like, take it down a notch. Like, don't jump to these extremes of, like you said, Mm -hmm. uh, when, when something happens, like, I'm never going to yell at you again. I love you. I'm so sorry. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. I'm going to yell at you again. Right. But like, let's take some steps how can we prevent this? How can we be proactive? What can we put in place so that we start to decrease that and and we start to see an increase of these other good things? And how will all of those shifts add up to a bigger shift, which is we don't have to feel the need to call it quits over all these little things that add up in our marriage. And another thought that comes to my mind that I've written about a little bit in the book is this idea for us. I remember on our honeymoon, just like so many expectations that we both had that we didn't even know we had were unmet or just Mm -hmm. like crushed. And I remember being so upset and like getting home and realizing I was acting like, or wanting to act like we'd been married for 25 years Hmm. that we already knew how to be a team that we already knew what made each other tick, that I could know his every thought that we would be good at sex. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I, I needed to realize, and I'm I'm realizing it now at this mark, like we're, we're toddlers when it comes to marriage. Like yes. we are so new and it's okay to not be good at it because just like a toddler is learning to walk and run and like talk and all the things and they're not great at it. That's where we're at in marriage. And so yeah. that has also given me this exhale of relief that I don't have to be so great at this and have it down perfectly because I'm actually in toddler years of marriage. So I'm doing pretty good if I can just not fall down today. You know what I mean? No, I I love the analogy there. And you know what this is like with the internet world and everything else. Or even maybe you've had friends that have seen your marriage that maybe aren't married that are like, oh, you have such, you're such a great example of marriage. And you're like, oh, sister, (laughs) you you don't see this and this and this. (laughs) But 
instead of sitting there and guilting yourself, which is, can sometimes become our default and we can be mm-hmm. our own biggest critics, to remind ourselves, you know what? Yes, you need to be striving for growth because if a toddler isn't growing, they're never going to become a child and they're never going to become a teenager and then they're never going to be a big kid, right? So there's an element of, yes, I need to be striving for growth, but also giving myself grace and remembering I'm in these infant, the infantry of marriage and, yes. and sex is going to be hard and it might hurt sometimes and I might not feel like it. And then I'm going to feel broken and then I'm going to feel like a bad wife, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe I'm going to be really impatient or whatever. It's like, these are skills. This is what I mean by these skills is how to wife is a skill. It's mm-hmm. not a, you know, something you just get because suddenly there's a ring on your finger. I mean, you don't just it's, it just doesn't make sense. And I think that's sometimes what we feel the pressure to be. And it's like, man, I love how you're saying normalize this because maybe if some of us could look across the table at the girl who's six weeks into marriage and like, oh my gosh, I never thought I'd think about divorce, but now did I marry the wrong person? You know, and it's like sister breathe, you know, like been there. And I think that brings this level of freedom to where, okay, now I have the freedom to grow because I might still be in diapers, but we're working towards pull-ups, you know, and now we're working yeah, towards potty yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. And I think we can be the hardest on ourselves. And I know I kind of want to wrap up here because I know it's getting long. But just like you said, you guys did the love languages test. Another thing Matt and I did was the love dare. Yeah. So here's what happened when we did it. You have to basically score yourself. So what you do is you have a, a, a t- an online test is how you start this book. And it'll ask you these series of questions. And you basically answer what you think your partner would answer about how basically good of a spouse you are or how you respond. Mm. Basically, like, I think my partner feels loved by me. Rate it 1 to 10 or whatever. So that's like an example. And there's a bunch of these questions. So I was answering these questions from what I thought Matt would think of me and kind of how I felt like I was doing as a wife. This was like right around our first anniversary. And we both finish the test and it'll spit back out your score out of like a thousand. So he answered his and I answered for me. I kid you not, I had a score of like 400 out of a thousand and he was like a 750. And I remember I'm like, you were way too easy on yourself. You know, I'm like, and he goes, no, babe, you were way too hard on yourself. And that's kind of what I mean is like, we can be so hard on ourselves when we're not syncing up or we're in these toddler years. And so what we did is we switched and he's like, you know what, I'm going to take the test from from what I really think of you. And like, you know, I'm going to score you and you score me instead of us scoring ourselves and let's see what the scores are. And what's so crazy is then I scored like a 698 or something and he scored like a 700. Like we were right around the same. And so what's yeah. hilarious is we can view ourselves through these, you know, I, I I think we can be our biggest critics and we can go, I need to be doing this, 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 and this, and I'm not. And then when I do certain things and feel like it's not being noticed, then I can become a martyr. And it's like these two extremes that we live in and it kind of like breaks and it shatters that glass box that we trap ourselves in when we go, wait a second, this is the toddler years. How can I grow? What's one simple step I can take towards walking a little taller rather than trying to run a marathon, you know? And I think that that is really what brings true growth. Would you agree? Totally. Yeah. I think you nailed it. So to kind of wrap up this awesome conversation, I just, I love this. This is so good. (laughs) We're like all over the place. We're talking all the things. I love it. But I want to say, you know, I know we're coming up here on getting close to an hour. What would you say to either yourself, if you went back two years to Amanda, year one of marriage, feeling like my life's falling apart, or to maybe a listener who is kind of in that space or is four years into marriage or two years into marriage or whatever, and just feeling a little stuck or unsure or insecure, what would you leave her with? How can we give maybe a tip or a word of encouragement to 
any other new wives who just feel like they're stuck or drowning or just so insecure like you and I, those are so familiar with those feelings. Yeah. You know, I would just say you're going to get through this and not to sound cliche, but like it's normal what you're going through. You're not the first person to ever go through what you're going through or feeling what you're feeling or have made the mistake that you made. You're going to get through this and don't be afraid to reach out for help. Don't be afraid to go to your pastor or a counselor or a trusted friend, but don't be hasty to call it quits. Don't be hasty to throw in the towel. It's so worth it when you get to the other side and then you're going to be used to help other people who are in the same spot that you are. Yeah. It's so refining. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I think that's my biggest piece of growth. And I'm just going to piggyback off that and we'll wrap it up. The biggest change in starting to get over these tough things, I mean, not get over, but just starting to really truly be able to work through some of the things that I was harboring for so long was when I finally called my mom and my mentor and those people that I seek counsel from my life. And it's those things that I would never want to say publicly that I almost felt so guilty for even thinking. And then once I vocalized them and said, yep, this is where I'm really at. What am I going to do? Yeah. One other point that you just said that I, I also feel so strongly about is that things lose their power when you speak them aloud. So don't be afraid to name the feelings, the things that you're struggling with or whatever, like saying them aloud to someone, they lose their power and, and shame doesn't have to have a hold on you. You can actually break free. There's freedom and light. Oh man. Yeah. I just, I would, I would want to hug everybody that's listening. (laughs) Yes. As horrible as they sound. And you know what? There are going to be this, some things, sister, that do feel like I'm a horrible human for even thinking this about somebody. That's somebody that I'm supposed to love and be committed to. But if you can get it out of inside of you, that's when you're going to be able to tackle it. Is it embarrassing? Is it difficult? Does it feel awkward? Yes. But I think with the second we can get over our fear of awkward is the second we begin pursuing something so much better and so much more awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. I loved your perspective. Just thanks for being real. You always show up, girl. (laughs) You're the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been so fun. If you liked today's episode, would you consider leaving a review in the podcast app or wherever you listen? If this show has helped you grow into the she you were made to be at all, taking 0.3 seconds to leave a review would mean the world. This helps the show grow so I can keep researching, creating, and providing new content to help you make your life better every single week. If you leave a review, be sure to share a screenshot of it on your Instagram story and tag me so that I can personally thank you. Thanks so much, sister friend. You are the best. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. This show is a part of the Lasting Media Network and produced by John Fender, Jason Barrett, and Jonas Litton with the help of Jackson Willis. Visit lastingmediagroup.com to learn more. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.